We don't do a whole lot around personal development because that is a massive qualification to get through the interview process, which by the way, at Thrive is five interviews plus a group interview. And that's how it works. And there's not very many people that make it through. And so we're not one of the companies that just, if you can fog a mirror, then come on board and just hope for the best. And this one is probably the one that we screen most thoroughly for. Welcome to the Real Better Life podcast, where people that are writing stories worth telling share their knowledge, wisdom, and perspective to help you go further, faster as you move to your better life. Over to your hosts, Dave Ness and Rob Alkema. Welcome back to the Real Better Life podcast. Today is episode 18, and this is the second half of the topic, running your business like a business. And where last time was more theory and thought process, today is more of the practical application and some different tips we share that you can put into action immediately, like today in your own business. So in the last episode, we wrapped up talking about eight key skills that allow you to run your business like a business. And today we focus in on three of those in particular that we see people struggle with and that we've struggled with ourselves. And those three are long-term vision and goal setting. The second is schedule. And the third is managing the finances of your business, which is arguably the most frustrating and the trickiest one of all of them. So with no further ado, let's dive into today's episode. I like starting from a place of mission and vision, which is essentially why does the business exist and what do we do towards what end? Yeah. Right. Where are we going? And establishing that and then taking that and taking that long-term vision of where are we going, what are we building, and then backing that down into a 10-year vision, three-year plan, a one-year picture, quarterly goals, all the way down to the weekly and daily activities I need to do right now to be where I want to be in 90 days. Yeah. Right. So, so good. I will say this, and I, and I bet it's pretty similar for you because I have an idea of this, but it was probably not till, oh, I got to think for a second. It was probably not till three years into building and running the business that I was building in the insurance world that I actually sat down and started the process of collaboratively crafting a mission and vision statement yeah, and establishing core values, right? Like several years. What was that for you? I think it was probably about the same. It was probably four or five years in, something like that, where I realized, okay, there's enough momentum, there's enough revenue, there's enough of all these things that we can take a step back and figure out where are we going and why and how are we going to get, what's the recipe? How Mm -hmm. are we going to get there? And I'm not talking about, here's how many calls you have to make. I'm talking about the recipe in our world is what are your core values? What are you going to stick to? How are you going to hire and fire? You know, those kind of things. And what I'm realizing even now in my world is that those pieces of the business can be translated over to an individual business or a household business. That's the kicker is if you're sitting here thinking, ah, you know, I, I don't really want to start a brokerage and go down that road. That's fine. However, you still need to know what your 10-year goal is, yeah. what your three-year picture is, yep. what your one-year plan is, and what the next 90 days is going to look like. If you're actually going to run a business like a business, and if you're listening to this going, gosh, that sounds awfully like EOS. Well, it is. It is. It's exactly <laughs> so what it is. We run our entire platform off of EOS. If you haven't heard of EOS, it stands for Entrepreneur's Operating System. Look it up on Amazon. $12 book you can get, and you can get more consulting and all that on top of that. But it's a framework, and we think it's a really good one. It's not the only one, but it's, it's a really good one. 
But that translates to an individual person, a household, a married couple, to where you need to be able to, in this context of long-term goals, you need to be able to say, here's what we're up to for the next 10 years, three years, one year, and 90-day rocks, right? And so for us, if you're wondering, well, what's yours? Ours is simply this. In 10 years, we want to have closed 10,000 transactions. In a year. Yep. Have 1,000 advisors, which are agents. Have 100 Icon Club members, which are people that sell 50 homes or more per year. Have 10 locations and one mission, right? And so it's 10,000, 1,000, 110, one. That's our 10-year deal. Will I be alive in 10 years? I don't know. Hope so. (laughs) I I hope so too. (laughs) I hope I'm still doing this podcast. But I think a lot of people get intimidated by that because they're like, ah, you know, all these changes and who knows what's going to happen in 10 years. Well, guess what? Nobody knows what's happening in 10 years. But However, you still need to- Start with something. Something, like put something on paper and then break that down to three years, one year, 90 days, and then go, okay, what do I need to do this week? Yeah, and to that point, like I get amped up when you start talking about this because I just think that there is so much power in the leverage that you get with identifying, here's what I want to have happen in the next year. Yeah. Like, here's where I want to be personally. Here's where I want the business to be. Here's where I want my relationships to be. Here's where I want my health to be. Like, this isn't just business goals, but setting some tangible accomplishments for a year from now and then backing those down into a 90-day sprint. Yeah. Because 90 days is about the maximum amount of time that we as human beings can focus on one thing with a high level of dedication and intensity without getting bored. By the way, that's not Rob's opinion. That's a fact. That is a scientific fact, which I'll reference another book that I love, Train Your Brain for Success. Mm, Nice. So good. And so it's this unnatural habit. Most of us were not born goal setters, right? And so you really have to dig into this art of goal setting and we could literally make the entire podcast just about goal setting. We don't have time for that. Yeah. Right. And so if you have questions about that, reach out to us. If not us, then reach out to somebody. Somebody. Right. Yeah, get, consultant. Get some resources on how to effectively set goals. And we are super passionate about that because it gives meaning and purpose to the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And it also creates a healthy space for accountability to exist in your life. Yeah. Right. Accountability feels negative and has a bad connotation when it's not within the context of a goal that you've created for yourself. When that's not present, then accountability feels like, oh, this person is trying to get me to do something that they want me to do. Mm, It feels like manipulation. Totally. And that is, well, I shouldn't say that's never the case, but that's absolutely not the case at a place like Thrive, right? And so for accountability to work in in a healthy way, that individual business owner has to come to the table with a goal and a 90-day plan and some controllable activities that they're raising their hand and saying, I'm looking for some partnership for somebody to hold me accountable to doing what I need to do to get where I want to be. Yeah, that's I love that word, by the way. The best accountability is done in partnership. Yes, I think that's like, I use that word really intentionally, partnership. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, yeah, in the best marriages that gets expressed that way too. Yep. So it's not always the case, which is unfortunate, but that's usually where it takes place. So that's the first one out of the eight that we named that is on you, right? Again, out of the eight things that we've named, sales process all the way to ownership mindset, our opinion, humbly, although we're not very humble, (laughs) our our opinion is that— I don't know if that's where—we're not humble. We're just jackasses a lot of the time. Yeah, that's what I mean. No, that's a fair point. I mean, yeah, it's it's true. But out of the eight, your brokerage, 
ought to be, in our opinion, delivering the vast majority of these, except for long-term goals is the first one. That's up to you. Like we can't, yeah, we can't deliver your long-term goals to you. You need to, you need to do that on your own. The second one is schedule. The second one is schedule, and that's number three on our list. Can I share something I've heard you say? In the business of real estate, and this is not the only realm that this is true, but this is powerful. I've heard you say before, in this business, you have to own your business or your business will own you. Meaning, if you don't make a schedule and create some boundaries for yourself and for your clients, what will end up happening is you'll end up just constantly reacting to whatever happens to fall on your head that day. And you are going to be stressed, burnt out, ineffective, flustered, scattered, Yeah. right? And even if you're just a superstar at managing chaos, that's not sustainable long-term, No. right? You have to have some sort of framework of knowing like what you can say yes to and what you can say no to, yeah. and that is your schedule. And I think schedule starts with, and this is the most misunderstood of the core values at Thrive is living lightly. Yeah. Living lightly is not just drinking bourbon while you're doing a podcast, although that's part of it. Um, <laughs> is that because I'm pouring as it right Dave now? fills his glass up? You can probably hear that a little bit in the mic. Where was I going with that? You just made me lose my train of thought. I can't remember either. <laughs> I was, you're talking about control of your schedule. And- oh, yes. Living a life of priorities, right? Yeah. So like creating your schedule, your schedule should start with your date night, your going to church, spending time with your kids, et cetera. It's like the really big rocks in your life, your, your health, your morning routine, your workout schedule. And then around that is lots and lots and lots of additional space for all the things that need to be done yeah. in real estate, right? And we all know real estate's a very crazy schedule with lots of evening and weekend work, but there is absolutely margin to create a schedule that includes your priorities first and still be excellent and really effective at the real estate work that you're doing. Yeah, 100%. right. And again, you could take this and you could cross off real estate and insert some other industry and it Whatever would all it still is. apply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen, we could probably wrap up on schedule with this visual. If you haven't seen this visual, you could probably Google it and pull it up on YouTube. But it's a fantastic visual where you take a plastic or glass container mm. of some yep. size and you have a bag of sand and then a bag of rocks. And oddly, if you put the bag of sand, if you pour the bag of sand into the glass container first. And think of sand as fun stuff. Yep. Going drinking with your friends, going snowboarding on a Wednesday. Whatever. Going on a hike, going fishing, going. Yeah, just all the fun. Going to a concert, whatever. All the stuff. Going out to breakfast. Sleeping in late, you know, all the the things. All the stuff. Whatever. Put that in first, pour the sand in first. This is physically true. You try it. And then pour the rocks in. And the rocks would be representative of that, which is very important. Like Rob said, spending time with your spouse, spending time with your kids, spending time with your faith, spending time with your nonprofit, you know, whatever it is, as well as the core activities that drive your business. And you try to pour those in the container on top of the sand, they will not fit. Or you can switch the order and pour the rocks into the container first, get all the rocks in there. The sand will fit. It's fascinating. Like there's a YouTube video. It was yeah. a college professor. That I think this was uh, it's pretty cool. The first time I heard this was Stephen Covey. Was it the Stephen Covey? Seven yeah. Habits of Highly Effective People. It's I awesome. think is the first time I heard it. But that's the essence of like, so I want you to hear this really clearly. Sit down once a week, preferably on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Like one week is closing. The next week hasn't started yet. And like carve out some intentional time, like make an appointment with yourself to have planning time. Yeah. 
and then carve out your schedule for the next week. And the first things that go in that schedule are your really big, important rocks. Yeah. Right. And then you know what time you have to work. And when it's time to work, it's time to work. It's time to go. Yeah. Right. And you've also created margin for things that are intensely meaningful and give your life purpose and meaning and recharge your batteries so that you can be really effective in your work. Yeah. It's so big. I'm going to summarize that whole thing just by what you said, which was living a life of priority, yeah. not living a life of urgency, yep. which I think is the trap that a lot of us get caught in is just responding to the tyranny of the urgent. What's that quote? And we'll end there. I don't want to harp, but the quote is something about uh, work or maybe it's busyness. One of the two. Work or business is like gas. It will expand to fill the space. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so whatever space you create for work or reactive nature or busyness, whatever space you create for that, work and business will fill that unless you're very intentional and very careful about setting your schedule so that that does not happen. Yeah, you have to be maniacal with your schedule. I mean, you and I started off in selling books back yeah. in our college years. Yep. And the very first principle they taught us, surprise, surprise, was schedule is your lifeline. And if you break it, you will die. Yep, and it was not, true. Not literally, but you know, figuratively. <laughs> right. Your uh, business will die is what they were saying. Yeah, that was the most important part of having a good summer was having a schedule. Yeah. Right? And they gave you this schedule it's when you were a first year. Beginning. Yep. It's yeah. you wake up at 5.59, you take a cold shower, you do push-ups, you make your lunch, you go to a breakfast spot, you do positive reading, you eat a healthy breakfast, you do executive exercises. All the way through, you have 10 wins before you ever knock on your first door. Yeah. Right? And so it was like, they knew that idiot college kids like me and Dave <laughs> didn't know how to create a schedule. No. So rather than saying like, hey, you guys should really create a schedule. They're just like, no, here's a schedule. Here it is. Do this and you're going to have a good summer. And it worked, right? It and so your first knock was 7.59 a.m. And your last knock was 9.31 p.m. or later. Yep. Monday through Saturday. Yeah, 100%. Right. And yeah, it um, worked. I mean, geez Louise, my sales manager even gave us a grocery list. And he's like, <laughs> this, buying. these are the groceries top producers buy during the summer. <laughs> right? so I'm good. like, okay, well, I want to be a top producer. So I guess. Let's see, Pop-Tarts, <laughs> uh, Snickers bars. <laughs> no, so I was the idiot spending six bucks on like the all natural jelly that wasn't uh, a bunch of sugar and preservatives. Oh, God. Yeah. I was in John Lochran's org. We'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing he didn't do that for you. Pop-Tarts and Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> All okay, right, okay. moving on. So, yeah, schedule. There we go. Okay, last one, the financial piece. Well, there's two more. So one is um, personal development, and then second is, yeah, the financial piece. So we can touch on it really quick, so we're probably running long. But Surprise, what, surprise. Yeah, we, we talked about number five is training slash personal development. Obviously, any real estate company, any sales company in that, for that matter, should provide a high level of training. Again, industry knowledge and sales acumen. Yeah, yep. 100%. Scripts, role-playing, how to handle tough situations, how to navigate, all kinds of things that are extremely beneficial and powerful to advance someone's career. Personal development. Let's talk about that for a hot second. Personal development is the second part of that. And we actually, at Thrive anyway, we don't do a whole lot. There's a few things here and there, but we don't do a whole lot around personal development because, because. because that is a massive qualification to get through the interview process, which by the way, at Thrive is five interviews plus a group interview, and that's how it works. And there's not very many people that make it through. And so we're not one of the companies that just, if you can fog a mirror, then come on board and just hope for the yeah. best. And this one is probably the one that we screen most thoroughly 
for. Yeah. Right. Like we look for people that are already heavily invested in their own personal development before they ever get through the front door. Exactly. Right. This isn't the place that you come to to figure that out. No, it's right. Is this not. is the place that you come to when you already have a lot of these habits already formed and you're looking to be on an Olympic team with other national champions. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's well said. It's not a good place to learn how to be disciplined and how to develop personally. It's a great place to come and accelerate. That right. And so sure. just to clarify, when we talk about personal development, that is being in the habit of consistently reading books yep. about business, about sales, about people, about psychology, about faith, about mental yeah. health, physical health, like whatever the big priorities are in your life. like Marital success, yeah, all those things. Putting new ideas in your head and gleaning from other people's experience. So reading is a huge part of it. Listening to podcasts, hopefully ones that are better than this one. <laughs> <laughs> professional coaching. Yep, professional coaching. Counseling, therapy. Yep, workout routines, yeah. journaling, meditation. Yeah, all of that stuff that we're talking about. Like those are habits that... If those are part of your daily or weekly routine, that's a person we would look at and go, that person's dedicated to working on themselves. Yeah. And this one's such a big deal because when you get into real estate, for the vast majority, 99% of people getting into real estate, 99.9% of people, they are the business. Yeah. Right? And so when you work on yourself, you're going to see the effects of that directly on your business. As you become more effective, that's going to show up in your results. Yeah. Right. So like Jim Rohn, who I love, Jim Rohn, mm. one of his quotes is, your level of income will rarely exceed your level of self-development. Mm. Right. And so that's so good. that's a call to action for all of us to take an honest look at how are we doing on improving ourselves and in what ways are we improving ourselves? Enough said on that one. Yeah. So I mean, we that's all in the podcast. <laughs> that's a hard part of all yeah. episode right there. It's amazing. Yeah. It's the punchline, the concept of that is what you're just saying, which is you got to be able to show up with some of the fundamental aspects for you personally. And they're actually objective, not subjective. Yeah. It's not like, oh, you know, I, I believe this, I believe that. It's like, well, show me. I, somebody, I can't remember who it was, doesn't matter. Somebody said to me one time, you'll know exactly what people value if you look at their calendar and their checkbook. Yep. My, That's pastor, my pastor says that all the time. It's easy. Like yeah, it's, it's just it's cal- calendar and checkbook. How are you spending your time? How are you spending your money? And so if, if someone's calendar is riddled with this counseling, this therapy, this professional development, this book reading time, this workout time, this church time, whatever it is, you're like, okay, you're like, uh, clearly you're, you're quite invested, you know, right. in your own self. And the, and the reason, maybe the punchline to the whole, whole thing, shout out to Landon Lynch, somebody who's had a profound impact on both Rob and I, and a lot of people at Thrive. He would say, hey, you got to know thyself to lead thyself. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about here is running your business like a business, which in essence is, are you a good leader? Not of other people. Don't jump there quite yet. But are you a good leader? <laughs> For you. Of yourself. Yes. Like your actual personhood. And it might be easy for Rob and I to be riffing on this. Hey, I'm a phenomenal leader of myself in some areas. I'm actually not, not that great of a leader of myself in other areas. Yeah. And those are areas that I, I look at and go, hey, that needs to improve. That needs to be better. That needs to be shown that it's not great and it needs to be engaged. And then the question is, okay, great. What are the steps that you're taking to engage that? We all have those areas. No one's ever going to be 100% in all all facets. Yeah, but I also think that vulnerability opens up space for people to relate to us when they realize like, oh, they have some things figured out, but they don't have everything figured out. And I can relate to that person because I don't have everything figured out either. Totally. 
And then you open up that space for, again, we come back to that word partnership of, hey man, there's some stuff I'm working on. There's some stuff you're working on. I think the stuff you're working on, I can help you with. Yeah, yeah, right? 100%. Right, just like we so have good. other people around us that, you know, we look at this and go, I need your help. Yeah. Because I don't have this part all figured out. Are we going to get further faster together? If so, we should probably yep. partner. If not, then what's the point? Totally. Okay. And then the last one. Yeah, the last one is, yeah, the financial piece. So that's budgeting, projections, money, the flow of money, you know, which is a little bit of a touchy subject. But honestly, in real estate, it's one of those topics that needs to be talked about more. Because again, when you as a real estate agent get your commission check, it is not yours. It is your businesses. And as soon as you think, well, this is mine because it's after splits or it's after the closing or the title agent in our state, or if you're in New York or California or whatever, the attorney gave me my check. You need to think about that. We all need to be thinking about that as it's not mine. It's part of mine. Part of it will be mine, hopefully, but it's not mine. It's the businesses. And so when you think about the brokerage, if you're at a brokerage and you're wondering, what do they do with all the money that comes in? In the brokerage world, the commission check comes in, right? And let's just keep it simple with a $10,000 commission check total, right? $10,000 comes in. That's revenue. Then the revenue has to be split, whatever that split is, with the agent, right? And so it's 70, 80, 90, whatever percent that gets paid to the agent. That is actually a cost of goods sold. Mm -hmm. That's what it's called in real. If you're looking at QuickBooks, if you run your business off of QuickBooks, you would be classifying that as cost of goods sold, meaning you would not have that revenue without that cost. Right. Just like if you're an agent and you're working a lead and that lead has a referral fee or an upfront out-of-pocket cost, same thing, cost of goods sold. You wouldn't have it. That's right. Right. And so just to, and it's for some listeners, it might be like rudimentary, but if you think about it, let's just pretend for a second that you're selling candles because there's one sitting on my, <laughs> on the desk here. <laughs> so you're selling candles, right? And you sell a candle for 10 bucks. But in order to sell that candle, you needed a glass jar, a wick, wax, and a label. And all of that cost you $7. Well, effectively, your cost of goods sold is 70%. It's the exact same thing as if you pay an agent 70%. And you're left with 30. But that's not profit. You're not done. Now you have to take that 30% after cost of goods sold and pay for the operations of the business, Mm -hmm. which is employees, rent, internet, Technology, software, salary, salary, marketing, insurance, yep. marketing, TVs, whatever, all the all the stuff that you have. And after all of that is paid, you're still not done. Then you have to pay taxes. 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 <laughs> I was <laughs> waiting for that. The biggest split ever. <laughs> the freaking government. Um, and you can't negotiate it. And yeah, so then the taxes come out. Then and only then you're left with what you get to keep, right? So that's how it works. And so as an agent, as an individual agent, I think the danger is that we oftentimes get caught in the cycle of, no, 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 all that already took place. My commissions are my profit. That is a lie. Mm -hmm. You are lying to yourself. Can you talk about anybody who's ever heard you teach this is like, oh my gosh, this is so good. This literally changed my business. Can you talk about the advice that you give agents when they're first starting and you talk about like creating different bank accounts and talk about like yes. how many different accounts you create and what each one of those is for so that you have an accurate, effective flow of money in your business. Yeah, 100%. And so, I mean, this probably is another episode, so I'll keep it somewhat high level. 
The concept that Rob is talking about is every single time you get a commission check as a real estate agent, you need to do the exact same thing with that check. Meaning X amount goes to this, Y amount goes to that, Z amount goes to this, A amount goes over here, B amount goes over here. I don't care if it's a $1,500 check, $15,000 check, $150,000 check. It doesn't matter. It's just revenue. And to treat your business like a business, to actually run a business like a business, you have to do the exact same thing with every check, with every amount that comes in. And so we teach a class at Thrive, and it's all about how to do that, how to break it up. High level, you want first and foremost an operating account, right? And so the money goes into the operating account, and that's where the deposit gets made. You have a completely separate account, totally separate account at the same bank, but separate account. That makes the transfers really easy. You have a completely separate account for a rainy day fund, which is really important because that day will come, right? Like interest rates will go to 8%. Your governor will tell you you can't do showings anymore because of some crazy disease called COVID. All this stuff happens, right? And you have to have a rainy day fund. We all know that. We've been told that probably by sage wisdom and our parents. But can I challenge you if you're listening, do you have a sunny day fund? (laughs) Because if you don't, then psychologically and monetarily, you're telling yourself, probably going to rain at some point, but the sun's never going to come out. What does that do to your head? What does that do to your mind? What does that do to your heart? Yeah. What does that do to your opportunistic view on the world? What lens do you actually look through financially, which is everything in our world, to understand your surroundings and what is possible and what you're capable of? When you don't have a sunny day fund, when you don't have an opportunistic fund, when you don't have a fund where you go, you know what? That's a badass opportunity and I want to take advantage of it. And guess what? It doesn't even affect my personal budget because I have a sunny day fund. There you go. Like that's huge. Yep. Nobody talks about that. So you have to have a rainy day fund. Yeah, you got to have defense. But are you playing offense too? Or are you just playing defense all the time? You got to play both and it has to be balanced. You got to have a sunny day fund. You got to have an opportunistic fund. And then you have to have a marketing fund, right? And so you have to look at the year. And if you're doing what Rob and I have been talking about for the, you know roughly the past hour, you, you should have a plan for the year where you go, you know what? I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. That's what I'm going to do. This year, I'm going to do... I'm just spitballing here. I'm going to do online leads. I'm going to do open houses and I'm going to do client events. Fantastic. Let's figure out how many client events we need to do. One per quarter. Perfect. What are we going to do? We're going to do a food truck. We're going to do cornhole and we're going to do some referral raffle. Great. What are the referral raffle prizes? Nathan crushes this. Nathan Dick at our company. He spends roughly $6,000 a year on referral raffles. I don't know if I afford to do this, but he got, I think it was 18 referrals off of a referral raffle, which nice. spends six grand. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. That's a good return, mm-hmm. right? But he knows that's okay, next year it's going to cost me six grand. So it goes in his budget. That's like part of the marketing plan, right? And so that's his marketing budget. And then I believe that part of that too, of course, is personal. So you need to have a personal budget where you go, you know what? I can't survive at the same level of living that I've grown accustomed to and my wife and kids, if you have wife and kids. And so we need X amount of dollars per month in order to live in our house, have the insurance that we have, eat at the restaurants that we like to eat at, take the vacations that we need to take. So all that adds up to that. And that percent goes into, you know, X percent goes into that account. And then finally, taxes, right? And so you got to have taxes. You got to have roughly in our world, it's probably going to be somewhere between 20 and 30% that immediately comes off your commission check and goes to the tax man. Last thing you want to do is get in a fight with the IRS. By the way, please, for the love of God, don't do your taxes yourself. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a complete waste of time. It is a total waste of time. And you're almost for sure going to miss things that a professional would catch yeah. and help you with. So get a great CPA. Yeah. It is worth every penny. Pay as, a thousand bucks. And yep, just, as long as it's a great CPA, that's that's the key. That's the part. kicker. Can I go back to what you said? If somebody's listening and they're like, hey, how much should I put in my rainy day fund percentage-wise? How much should I put in my sunny day fund? Yeah. How much should I put in my marketing fund? Is just kind of a baseline starter. I, I'm sure it'll differ by each person, but if you were making a recommendation for somebody who's just setting all this up for the first time, yeah, what well, percentages would you put there? So it is percentage, not fixed amount. Mm-hmm. It's a percentage basis. I would actually start with your personal budget. You got to start there, right? And as you do that, it should be a call or a trigger for you to review your personal budget or create it <laughs> if you don't have one, right? And so you yes. need to look at that and go, uh, you know, do we really need to eat at Del Frisco's three times a week? Probably not. <laughs> you know, like, um, and, and make some hard decisions because you're running a business, right? And so, you know, people that get into real estate, I'll just throw this out and I'm probably going to make enemies, but that's okay. Get in line. People that get into real estate and say, well, I can't do real estate unless I have a nice car. And then they go lease a car and it's $700 a month. You're full of shit. <laughs> like You're trying to compensate for lack of execution and you're blowing your personal budget, which then adds at the detriment to your sunny day fund and your rainy day fund and your operating account and your mm-hmm. marketing account. And so it's, Like you have to kind of be honest with yourself to the point years ago that I sat down with a friend, his name's Matt. And I said, Hey man, you and Aaron are fantastic. And I trust you guys. Can I just show you our personal budget? I'm literally going to show you all the money that we make, all the money that we spend, where we spend it, how much we give, how much we don't give, where we go to eat, blah, 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 all the things. And he was like, that's pretty vulnerable. Yeah. Like if you ever tell anyone, I'll kill you. (laughs) And so, but it was great. We, We sat down and he went through it and he was like, you know, here's like, two or three things that I think maybe potentially are out of whack. That's what we're talking about in terms of vulnerability financially, where you go, I'm coachable, I'm teachable, I'm humble. We can't do that unless other people have a view into, you know, where we're spending right, money. Right. Because what you're asking is, is the percentages, which is difficult because it's like, well, you have to kind of figure out the percentages to the extent that they work. In other words, at the end of six months, if your marketing budget or sorry, your marketing account or your marketing, your Sunday day fund is, you know, $50, it's one of two things. You're either misbudgeting or you're not producing. Right. Or both. Right. And so budgeting and kind of financial projections in this way of, of dividing out the money is very revealing. It's very exposing potentially to an uncomfortable position. But I would say this, to the extent that you're willing to be uncomfortable, that will equal the level of comfortability that you'll have later in life. Yep. Yeah, this was one we both talked about. I shared with you before we jumped on here. I don't think we sat down and did a detailed personal budget and business budget until we were probably five, probably six years into the business. Yeah. Right, somewhere in in that ballpark. And, And I look back on that and I'm like, that is so stupid, right? But if you're sitting here listening and you're like, well, I haven't done one yet. It's like, all right, well, you're in good company, right? Because yeah. you shared, you're like, yeah, me too. Yeah, half a decade. <laughs> yeah, it took a long time. And so just if there's one really simple thing you take from this, it's if you don't have a personal budget, start there and just map out rent, utilities, phone, insurance. Just go through the list. Car payment, if you have a car payment, debt, student loans, yep. groceries, gas. Yeah. Like literally just go through. And, and if you need a worksheet, like again, 
reach out to us. We can give you a worksheet that will give you categories and you can just start filling in things that maybe you wouldn't have thought of. But yeah. like literally, just you have to sit down and know what is my monthly nut that I need to crack every single month. Yeah, and it might be revealing. You might look at it and go, oh my gosh, like, wow, I go out to pubs too much. Like we need to... We need to slim that back. What are we in England? Yeah, that's like, I don't know why I said that. That's weird. You've been hanging around Tracy too much. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Trace. <laughs> Tracy and Jill. Yeah, so it's revealing. It's exposing, right? And, yeah. and that's probably why most people don't keep some type of budget is because it is revealing and exposing. Here's the good news is that in today's day and age, most, it's not hard work. Most credit cards and most debit cards and most banks will track it for you. And they know that if you go to eat at Chick-fil-A, that's meals and entertainment. Like it literally syncs, you know, with that. And so it's the same thing. Here's the last thing I'm gonna say about financial peace. We teach a course on this, Rob referenced it. But if you're starting out, if you're, I'm gonna make the proclamation, if you're in your first five years of business, whatever your business looks like, if you're a single agent, if you're a single agent with maybe some support, like a showing specialist or an assistant or something like that, or if you're even further along than that, maybe you've got two or three support people, do not. And I repeat, do not use credit cards. Mm, that's great advice. And I was like, oh, you know, what about the points and this and that? I repeat, <laughs> do not. You're under right. Under no circumstances ever it's, use credit cards. It's different when it's real money going out of your account and you have to write a check. Use debit cards. Yep. That will tell you, that will expose to you your financials better than ever before. And if you're personally using a credit card, I repeat, do not, this is a sage wisdom, do not use a credit card. And it's not because I have some war wounds or something like that, that it's just not, it's in the beginning as a debit card, everything happens in real time. You will never get to the end of a month and go, oh my God, like I spent way more than I thought because the money comes out of your account immediately. And so in a way, when you're using a debit card, you're actually forcing yourself to reconcile your books every minute. Yeah, Your books are always up to date. Have you heard this? this is, I'm glad you brought this up because we weren't going to go in. We weren't going to go into this, but I'm glad we are. When you talk to financial planners, like I, the first one I think of is Dave Ramsey, who is helping people get their finances back on track. Whether yeah. you, whether you love Dave Ramsey, you hate him, or you're somewhere in the middle, like whatever, who cares? But he's a big advocate for using like envelopes and cash, mm-hmm. right? And I don't remember where I heard this, but if you go look at, they've done these scientific studies where the act of physically like taking out cash and exchanging it, the level of pain, emotional pain that somebody feels when they hand over cash is the same level of pain that somebody feels when they get punched in the face. Oh, interesting. Have you heard this? It's No. There is a different... We're going to test this after this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Give me some more cash. (laughs) But yeah, there's something, the physiological response is different when it's not, because a credit card, it's not, quote unquote, real money. Fugazi, fugazi. Yeah. It It doesn't exist. It doesn't have the same physiological effect, which which is like, as soon as you said that, I'm like, I know exactly why you're saying that is because a credit card does not have the same physiological effect as a debit card, which also does not have the same physiological effect as a check, which also does not have the same physiological effect as cash. Like the purest response is having to literally fork out dollar bills to another. Now, that's not always possible when you're running a business, but you get the point. Yeah. In today's day and age, the best we can get is not the envelope system, not cash, but it is a debit card. Yeah. Which is still Visa and MasterCard and all that. And, Do people you know, write checks anymore? I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. But that, I mean, the, I think that the kicker is 
just believing that, hey, I need to run on a real-time P&L. And if you don't think you need to run on a real-time P&L in your first five years, I'm going to warn you that you're on a very, very slippery slope. Yes. Now, when you get into year six, seven, eight, after habits have been developed, disciplines have been de- developed, you don't, you don't, you're not even questioning. Yeah. In fact, most of the top operators that I know, whether they're single agents or have big businesses, they don't do the finances anymore. Right. They have some controller, CFO, accountant, whatever that says, hey, this is how much we're paying you this month. And the operator, the owner goes, okay, yeah. I guess that's the deal. Because yep. they've outsourced it to say like that this is now in, in your arena. So that, you know, that's the last piece. I know we ran a little bit long, but out of those eight things that we covered, and I'll just skim through them really quick in case somebody wasn't able to write them down. Sales process, which is revenue generation. You got to have that. Without that, nothing happens. Long-term goals, vision. You got to know where you're going. Otherwise, it's just a meandering path to nothing. Number three, schedule, which is committing and being both the employer and the employee and being able to hold yourself accountable. Number four is stats and metrics and tracking and being able to understand what are the gaps, what are the strengths, how do I increase my strengths, and how do I improve my gaps. And then number five, training and self-development. And training is all about being able to advance your career through subject matter expertise. Personal development is all about knowing yourself to lead yourself in order to achieve more than you would have otherwise and then number seven is supplies. And that's just all of the above. Tech, vehicle, collateral, website, materials, handouts, flyers, all that stuff. And then number eight, finally, is the ownership mindset, which is asking yourself the question, what can I and I alone do to advance my business? And that's that unique contribution to yep. what the business is. Yep. Yeah. I think a good follow-up to this is we could probably do some separate episodes where we do a much deeper dive into like goal setting by itself. Yeah. Scheduling by itself, totally. right? Finances by itself. Because there's a lot of stuff that we didn't get to, but hopefully this has been a great introduction for everybody who's listening. And there's some practical action takeaways. Hopefully. That you can roll with going into the new year or whenever you happen to be listening to this. We're just yeah. recording this at the end of a fiscal year. Yeah, 100%. And then we'll and maybe end here with, Rob has said several times throughout the podcast. Hey, if, if you want to learn more about that or know more about that or understand that on a deeper level or have some resources, reach out to us. That's not anecdote. That's not like just, it, that's real. And, yeah. and so whether you're in the Thrive community, which of course, I mean, if you're in the Thrive community, we'll drop everything in order to resource these concepts that we're talking about. Even if you're outside the Thrive community and if you're thinking, oh man, I'd, I'd love to dive deeper into that, we'll learn from you too. Yeah, you probably know some things and do some things that we don't and that we could probably sharpen our saw and and increase our chances of achieving our better life as well hit us up Dave at thrivedenver.com Rob at thrivedenver.com pretty simple easy yeah right on All right, I think that's a wrap we're gonna pour a couple more fingers and then we're gonna be done cheers brother cheers All right. here's to the better life right on we're out 